Chris, a couple episodes ago, you mentioned that you could hear the mouse clicking, and now every time I open an episode, that's all I can hear is the mouse clicking. I'm so self-conscious. Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, aka the Objective Geek, who objectively pointed out the mouse clicking noise. But now it's ruining my life. I can't hear anything else. It's all right. With all the with all the money that we've made from this podcast. Uh, I'll go mm. buy a, a new silent mouse, and there's a lot of jokes in there. Anyways, <laughs> welcome to the finale of Book 2 Earth from Avatar The Last Airbender. That means we are on episode 40 overall, episode 20 of this season. It is called The Crossroads of Destiny. It is a stellar finale, and I'm very excited to talk about it. But before we jump into the episode, as always, Chris, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I think I mentioned before that I'm uh, expressing my artistic side a lot more lately. Been working on this static mosaic. Mentioned last week that I'm gonna be meeting a uh, voice actor of static, uh, Phil Lamar. Um, but I've been working really hard on this. Like, I, I've I've get I've hit a point in, in my life where I can get by with like five hours of sleep and not be tired at any point in the day. So, kudos to to my body. It's it's just like. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that sounds terrible. Right. So, all right, let me put it out front: is that I can't sleep in. I'm one of those people that like I can't sleep past eight hours, like ever. If I do, my wife gets worried. She'll wake me up. She'll be like, "Are you dying?" Uh, but on the other hand, I cannot sleep less than like seven hours. Like, there's a very finite range. I gotta hit every single night. But I'm also the funny like, thing is, a child. is like during the work week. I can easily stay up till one o'clock. Um, but I don't even think about it. Like, I'm just like, all right, I'm just working on it. Cause once I start working at about nine 30 on it, I'm pretty much glued to it. Also gluing stuff on it. Cause I'm doing a mosaic hey glass piece. That's yeah. A joke right uh, there. <laughs> and then I don't realize until like, Oh, it's 1250. I need to go to bed at one. Also. Cause my wife has a curfew for me. Uh, so I don't wake her up in the middle of the night. I have to be in bed by one. If I want to be in bed or I'll sleep on a couch. <laughs> It's oh. amazing. My <laughs> wife would wake up like <laughs> she. My wife's a very heavy sleeper, so there will be no curfews for me. But I also don't need. It would be the opposite. Not. I would be the one setting the curfew. I think in my house. But it's really late on that. Um, and usually, this glass I cut. It's like if you if you can get it from Hobby Lobby. If you like cut it first, you gotta like score it with this like wheel thingy, and you have this wrench that clamps on it and then it breaks the glass and even if you touch that broken side it's not sharp at all but you could like cut it into something sharp depending on how you cut it and uh i was trying to take a piece off because i didn't like how it looked it was too dark and i still think it might be too dark you know when i was taking it off like i got up just a little bit and then i tried to like pry it off with my finger and then it just went through my finger <laughs> that's I'm gonna go right, ahead uh, and say that I'm an I hope idiot. that was a learning experience. I'm not gonna say you're an idiot. I'm gonna. I hope you learned something from that. But I also hope that I can kind of picture that you score. It's like with a, like a little rotary tool kind of thing, isn't it? Like a little sort of circular. Or is it just like a small utility knife? Well, it's like it's like a imagine like a pin, but there's like a small little metal saw on the end that can okay. roll. Yeah, it's like, and so it's like a, it is a little rotary thing. It's kind of jagged. Like I, c- I can picture what you're talking about, um, yeah. but I also just envision you like pretending to be like Catwoman, like cutting a hole in the window to break into the it's, building. 
that's completely what it reminds me of because I, I can cut it into like shapes <laughs> so it, you could just like and just pop a circle out and just yeah that's that's exactly what i thought of as soon as he said i was like that's catwoman that's beautiful yeah but, <laughs> hey don't um, let's stop cutting yourself on stuff but good luck with your project yeah. if you ever feel like showing it on the show i, I know that your window is really tiny uh, just snap a picture and send it to me and we'll get it in the PowerPoint so it's like more do it more justice uh, it doesn't have to be confined yeah. to such a small window <laughs> it's taken a long time I've committed like at least 50 hours so far to it before I'm um, yawning um, sorry <laughs> it could also be that um, it's super late right now it could be either and like, yeah. and like compared to the other art projects I've done like they took like maybe 15 or 20 hours and those look mm-hmm. great I love those but this is like so much different but i love doing it. it's really like fun it's really uh uh like therapeutic um but yeah that's been good besides me cutting myself <laughs> that's not therapeutic but it is um motivating yeah. and educating it's funny you said you're yawning it is first of all it is it's already twelve ten. it's already past my bedtime but it's friday it's fine uh, i can say for a fact that when we're done here while well, i'm posting the videos and kind of putting together the text and stuff I'm definitely going to go eat another burrito. I don't know what it is. I'm like a mogwai. It's after midnight and I'm starving. It, I, I like cereal around this time. I normally would go for cereal, but earlier we don't cook in our house. Uh, but earlier we made just like chicken and then sort of a mixture of rice and corn and like corn salsa. And it was really good. And I'm so proud that I don't even know if it's good. I'm just really proud and biased. So. I'm definitely going to eat a 12-whatever burrito when we're done with this. Mm. It's going to be magnificent. <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at in my life right now, where midnight burritos are very exciting. <laughs> I'm glad to hear your art project's going well. For real, next time, next week, uh, snap a picture. We'll get an update. Unless you just want to wait for like a big reveal at the end. I also understand that from an artistic perspective. And I don't know if there is a whole lot of other news necessarily to give. Uh, but I also know that we will probably spend a fair amount of time talking about this episode, which packs the a whole lot. The new cast has been announced by the time this is up. No, I'm kidding. Is, <laughs> if something like that happens, I promise that we will post an intervening something uh, yeah. to address no, that directly. But it, what Chris is saying is a beautiful segue into the fact that uh, we have done this format show show format change that we're going to test again. This will be we'll we'll post this week's as the third one in a row for weekly. And then we'll kind of do a real quick evaluation in between seasons to see if we think it's working better or worse. And speaking of between seasons, I mentioned last time, we'll do like a top bottom five or ten episodes from the previous season. We'll watch the movie at some point. I'll, I'll go to Chris's house. And I haven't figured out how to do it yet, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we can play like the audio of the movie softly in the background and then record our speech during and we can like, we could stream that, and then for YouTube, though, we would probably edit it down just to anything pivotal or just do a review in hindsight or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how far I want to take it. Nobody watches my streams yeah. anyway, so I don't know if it's even worth that. But long story short, I'm going to watch the stupid movie, and it's going to – whatever. I'm sure it won't be that bad because no. anytime – as much as I like to bash things, if I'm sitting down watching television, it's like, all right, how bad is it really? It's it's television. It's fine. <laughs> and we'll do that in between seasons. And that's really all the news I have. Chris, anything else you need to mention? Uh, No. 
Excellent. Well, that's all right, because like I said, we got a big, got a big, exciting, <laughs> actually, I love that picture, an exciting, action-backed episode here called The Crossroads of Destiny. I, I don't know what else to say. Let's get started. Uh, yeah, first of all, I really love the title of this, um, of this chapter. This might be my favorite title of it's anything. pretty powerful like, sounding like even yeah. if you don't know what the episode's about it just sounds important mm-hmm. like if there was ever uh like if these were ever movies i would call like it after our last airbender oh that's too long i don't like that um <laughs> that's too no, long. That's... i don't like those really long titles no that's too much that's too much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too much i am homeless <laughs> <laughs> um anyway love the title of this probably my favorite title to any chapter there is um so it starts off with um <laughs> azula and in- performing inception on long fei and the daily um and she does like a masterful job here um she gets beautifully uh, acted uh, yeah she gets many tightly to have like a fairly natural conversation <laughs> Uh, about them just like easily giving up to their fire nation and they're with princess azula um, and the daily agents are looking in on them and like you can tell that they think oh now we got the upper upper hand um, which all this is really interesting because usually i feel like when when there's conflict right you're as an audience member you're supposed to be left in suspense of what's going to happen but here, there's no suspense at all it's like azula is going to win this <laughs> match which which is so Azula. <laughs> like, even, you know, we'll get to it, but even when she gets to the end there, she's like, I was, I won this the second I stepped onto the board. I won this game the second I stepped onto the board. And you kind of feel that right away. Yeah. But it's very yeah. motivating. Like, it's not, it's not defeating or demoralizing to us as an audience. It's very like, whoa, how is she coming out real strong with this? Especially when I watched it this time. I forgot that it was a ploy. Like when they were doing it in the daily herd, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And then Azula really. said, "Well done, girls," or whatever it is she said. And it's like, "Oh snap!" Like yeah. I had completely <laughs> forgotten that it was set up. So yeah, I don't, it it did what it was supposed to do, and it's very, yeah. uh, very engaging. <laughs> yeah, and it's so. And so then they capture Azula, <laughs> which is it's it's comical in hindsight. <laughs> And then she like puts up a fight. She's like, you would never treat a Kyoshi warrior like, like this. And then he's like, but you're not a Kyoshi warrior, are you? Princess Azula of <laughs> the Fire Nation. It's really <laughs> corny. Like, like in retrospect, Long Fei is just... Because Azula is so right. He's not... He was never a player. Like He's not a good villain either in general. Like his fight, He does what he's supposed to do. Obviously, I've, I've mentioned before, I, I hate him. And that's the I idea. I think what he represents but, is, is important. But he, uh, I don't know, like, you almost need more context of, like, how he got to where he is now being such a douchebag. Like, who would have put him where he is now? Was it a big progression yeah. after it happened? You know, did he get to a place of power and then lose his marbles? Or was he motivated from the beginning? I don't know. Not a big Long Feng fan. And he's real corny in this episode a couple of times, actually. In the, yeah, which I found, I found, uh, which was all that really interesting, right? So it's funny because Azula plays the part of a of a helpless 
princess for the most part. Yeah. It's also, when you think princess, you don't think, oh, this is the second most powerful person in the Fire Nation. You think, oh, she's just a princess, probably doing something for her dad. Like, <laughs> but like Long Fei is clearly underestimating Azula here. Um, and yet you know, they were together. Long Fei like temporarily gives power of a Daili to Azula. She does oh, a great that... job. That line when the other Daily agent visits Long Feng. I apologize if I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I love okay. that. When it's like it's somehow terrifying and oh, I'm ruining it. What does he say? Inspirational at the same time. Yes. That's Inspiring, a, I think it says. Yeah, and you're like I, I don't want to give her any positive compliments, but yeah, that's that's pretty spot on. <laughs> like and it's also I feel like it's also like a reflection of, of you know, Hitler in, in, in a sense. Like Azula, Azula's not. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Right, I guess like I mean, Hitler, it's wildly accurate. Yeah, like Hitler for for terrible. You know, I won't even say for better for worse because there's only worse. He inspired people, right? With with his you know sheer passion for for hating other people, Azula inspire people with her fear and and everything to do her bidding um like they are working against their um they're working against their own self-interest <laughs> but azula inspires them so much that the, they will go along with it and against the leader that they claim they're still supporting but yes yeah it, exactly I, um, I think he says it's both inspirational and terrifying i think is what he says yeah but i could be yeah. what it's so it's hilarious just watch just watch the episode either way but not till we're <laughs> done telling you about the episode yeah. <laughs> yeah so then when uh so she breaks she pretty much has control over the city at this point because she uh she locks up the earth king and Toph and sokka uh, which is interesting because when Toph approaches them, because Sokka is like, oh, the coup is happening now. Or the coup. Coup? The coup? I call I it a coup, it a coup without the P, but I, yes, I'm not I'm pretty sure the P isn't pronounced. Yeah. Oh, we'll be saying um, coup I don't from like, here on out. We, we have mutually agreed. <laughs> yes. I don't like words that do that. Uh, like colonel. I hate it. <laughs> Baloney. Hate it. I'd call it Balogna. But... I... I do. I hate silent letters, and Demetri Martin has a, a tremendous skit about uh, a it bit does. about silent letters. Go, go check that out. Um, <laughs> sorry, now I'm thinking about that. It is. It's a good, we're. I don't know if you knew this. We're ninety percent Avatar and ten percent comedy on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's like it's like eighty-five percent Avatar, five percent comedy, five percent basketball, five percent random hobbies. Yeah, it's probably inaccurate. Uh, um, yeah, which is interesting when they, you know, when they're having a coup. Like Toph, I, I realize that Toph does not see everything all the time. She only sees everything when she wants to see, when she wants to use seismic sense. Um, like, because like she active, should be able to see. Uh, it's an active reflex, not a passive thing. Yeah, like she should be able to see the daily agents all over. You would think she would be able to see the daily agents. All around it, but Sokka is like grabbing hers, like, oh, the coup's happening now. You would think with her ability, she would have sensed that, you know, miles away. Although, even now, I would think she would sense that because she could see those ants. Yeah. Well, oh, maybe she was purposely trying to see the ants. This is not the first time that the Daily has fooled her in a way that I think is not good or kind of stupid. 
but in my head, I sort yeah. of chalk it up to like as other Earthbenders, they have ways of maybe being undetectable to other or something stupid like that. I don't know, but like she mm. gets trapped with the with the hands like at the dinner party and stuff like that. I was like, oh come on, Toph would have seen that coming. Like that was yeah, and also she's not so when she got trapped by when she got when she got trapped by the. Uh... By whoever was trying to put her in the metal box. The wrestling like, guys. Oh, she would have. Yeah, she would have saw. She would have saw the metal box. She would have saw the two guys there. Like, how did they sneak up on her? Um, I think saying that. So her I, I would think it's just, yeah. It's like it's an active reflex yeah. instead of a passive one. Is like the only way to attribute some of those enemies' yeah. successes against her because we've seen Toph do other things that would contradict that. Like you shouldn't be able to do that to Toph. Mm-hmm. But whatever, it's yeah. it's fine. That's fine. I don't. Want, I don't. And I don't want the character to be OP. I just. I kind of do. Have it. <laughs> if you got an OP character, it just will be a little blind girl because that's awesome. Sure, sure. If anyone should be OP, it's Toph or Ang. That's yeah. Well, Ang would be yeah. That's kind of interesting in a like when you think about OP. I always think about just ultimate destruction and stuff. And so it would be kind of. I think that'd be irony, for Ang to be like, powerfully OP in in battle. <laughs> Yeah, because Aang doesn't want to be. As an airbender, yeah. That's kind of fun to think yeah. about. But We did just talk about how Toph would be like one to kill somebody like in cold blood <laughs> in the last episode. So, Toph, you're my, you're my hero. You're like my number three character in this whole series, Toph. Ooh. <laughs> Top favorite characters. We'll have to do that one at some point. When it's all done. When it's all done. Oh, yeah. Characters. Yeah. Specifically favorite, because I already did one on the top, uh, on objectively who is the top female characters and. And I'll eventually do it on a male. And I would and never want my too. opinions to disgrace your actual, like, uh, foundationally sound works. I would just want to be like, I really like Toph and Iroh. Like, that's, that's all I'm looking for here. <laughs> uh, well, we should do favorite characters. Yeah, sometimes. I think good, um, that'll be end of, end of series fodder. Yeah, that's a good time to do it. Um, uh, uh, so, yeah. So, they have the... Uh, the uh, the Aku and <laughs> and uh, and Azula has now control over Bossing Say um, and Long Fei is like now this is where I double cross you and like their original deal which is interesting their original so deal corny. is like he'll <laughs> this uh, original deal is that he gives her the Avatar which is interesting like why would he even go back on that which maybe he thinks like well. The Avatar is good to have around. I don't want him in Bossing Say, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, like I don't because if he doesn't defeat a Fire Nation, the Fire Nation will be on our doorstep. So let them two fight it out. <laughs> so maybe that's what's going through his head. I'd say all those um, reasons seem applicable. Yeah, you, he's not yeah. anti-Avatar. Just what he yeah, call just it, get out my city from Avatar or something. Yeah. Um. So then. And this is one of the the most boss moments of Azula has had. She's had a lot of boss moments. This is her season, like really, um, like from the first get go. Yeah. Uh, her a monologue here is really interesting because she sizes him up so well. Of like, um, you know, I've seen you your type of before. Like, you know, I, you've crawled from the bottom of power, real power. You're born with it. Um, and then, you know, you know, the real power, the the right to rule, um, and she feels like she has that. 
Um, which, funny enough, you would think that she doesn't have it because her father Ozai wasn't born to rule. Iroh is the rightful heir to rule. And then in theory... Um, which, yeah, and then she wouldn't be. I mean, sure, she comes from that blood of being, you know... We're being... kind of two steps removed from being the rightful heir to the throne, so it's still kind of funny, but... I mean, she would be... If Ira was the was the Fire Lord, as he should be, Ozai, I think, would be the next in line, then Zuko, and then, then her. Yeah, so she is the third step removed from the rightful heir. Yeah. It's kind of funny to think about. But I guess she's yeah. still in the line, and maybe that's all that's important. Here. Yeah, she's still in the line. And that might be all that's important, that those people have a right to rule, so yeah. Asula, fact check yourself, um, honey. Uh, and then she's like, you know, your daily agents, they're waiting to see who's going to be sitting in this chair. And, and they don't know yet, but I know, and you know. Like, that, her line to him, she defeats him without throwing a single punch. And she just sits in the chair, like, so boss-like. She isn't like, all right, now let's fight and see who's in the chair. She's like, I'm sitting in the chair. The chair is mine. <laughs> um, and you can't do anything about it. And then, you know, pretty much she's like, you defeated me at my own game. Don't fool yourself. You were never a player. Like, <laughs> he was never a player. I complain about Azula's dialogue in other places. And this one's still, like, it's it's pretty over the top for for a villain but like relative to another villain that i like way less and who is way cornier uh this this dialogue is generally just very clever so i'll, I'll let her have a pass for this one I, I know we have slightly different feelings on azula but at least here it's i don't know it seems very clever and it's next to long Feng who i hate so yeah. i'm okay with it yeah so now azula is uh running bossing say she then gets uh, she she gets Zuko and Iroh to serve tea, and then how like how does Zuko feel about like incorporating himself into Bossing Say, feeling like oh I turned my life around, Uncle's here we're serving tea and everything, uh, everything is going great, and then he thinks you know he's imagining the Earth King, and then he sees Azula like what a complete slap in the face that must have been for him. And then of course the the uh, the fight of of that little area of like Iroh does a quick thing like oh have I ever told you how I got the name the Dragon of the West yeah that's just like I'm not in, <laughs> yeah I don't I don't have time for a silly antidote uncle it's not an antidote more of a demonstration really and it's funny how Zuko gives him the eye like Zuko knows why he's called the Dragon of the West and then just the fire breathing was so cool. It is great. Um, although he's not go, go back to it. Uh, yeah. Although there's a little bit of thing here, like Iroh's not necessarily called a dragon of the West because he can breathe fires because he got the title of the dragon. Which is weird that they like I feel like it's a slight retcon. It's a, it's although, just for showman he's just doing that for showmanship, Chris. That's all. He just Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm okay, that's fine. Right? Yeah, that's, okay. Like I I don't know, he just uh, uh, no, like, I'm, I'm, that's probably what it is because, I mean, they planned out most of this stuff, they would have been like they, yeah, he, also I wouldn't take it back to ruin this moment because I love this moment yeah, <laughs> well and I just like I not that I have any impressive powers whatsoever, but I can see myself doing the same thing, like you're just trying to hook her attention just for half a second, like just with whatever yeah. you gotta say, and that, that worked in that moment, I'm okay with that 
for the same reason. I just yeah. love the moment. I don't want to bash it, it for any logical or illogical reasons. Yeah. So she ends up, uh, Zuko challenges her to an Agony Kai, which is really interesting. Iroh, Iroh escapes like, what? and has an opportunity for Zuko to escape, but Zuko says, no, I'm tired of running. I'm going to hang out yeah. here. And fight. Yes. Yes. Um, and she's like, what are you going to do? Challenge me to an Agony Kai? Yes, I challenge you to an Agony Kai. Which I find funny because Zuko's like really formal about it. Like as if tradition demands that she <laughs> says, okay, fine. But she's like, no. And then she just has the daily agents deal with him. It's so good to be like, you're so much little more, smaller than me that I'm not even going to recognize you challenging me to an Agony Kai. It is hardcore disrespect, yeah. And also, he gets taken out so quickly by the Daily agents. Man, I wanted, like, an emotional thing. Like, he's caught off guard. Like, I'm, I'm all prepped to fight Azula. Oh, but not these Daily <laughs> agents. But yeah. it's, it's a little off-putting, but not serious. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, then he is dumped into prison. And this is, like, the moment all Zutara shippers uh, cling on to is... Uh... <laughs> Hi, Jamie. <laughs> it's Katara him uh talking about which i actually love i actually really like the moment of of uh, a zoo, of katara being like you know hatred and war runs in your family you know the fire oh, nation took away took i love the moment me. i'm just shaking my head at the zutara shipping at the yeah. moment is it's a very powerful scene i love although it. i although i do think katara cried too much in this scene like the two tears was fine but then like animation wise, you see the driplets of tears, which makes it seem like, <laughs> which makes it seem like she was just profusely crying at this. And to me, profusely crying situation didn't call for that. Or that you like her just explaining to go there if granted, you were Katara in that instance. Yeah, and granted, I can't speak from a person who's lost their mother and stuff like that. But I mean, she's talking to her enemy about this, and she's profusely crying about uh, about losing about it. I mean, maybe it's fine. I didn't mind the crying aspect of it. That's fine. It was just a lot of tears. But I sound unsympathetic. <laughs> Chris, you jerk. No, I would feel the same uh, way, but I'd say you don't even have to level as like a person who has or hasn't lost a mother or a loved one like that. Like, so uh, probably TMI, but my wife lost her mother very young to cancer. But she's also like, she's she is emotional. Uh, she expresses emotion freely, but she does not cry ever. So it's like different people deal with that stuff different, just hundred percent differently. There's no yeah. correlation whatsoever. I don't even know. I see my wife sure. cry like, okay, maybe never. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> oh, she's in a perfect business. <laughs> she she is in an unemotional, or she's the right kind of emotional for her business. Yes. <laughs> don't visit her at work ever but anyways uh that is that is astute detail because i never would have noticed anything like i'm just busy feeling bad for both of them right then to even like uh, uh, notice that she's crying too much (laughs) (laughs) and then zuko says like oh that's the thing we have in common and the finish his mom too um and then they kind of katara apologizes and then she's like, well, I'm sorry, just for so long when I imagined the face of the enemy, it was your face. And Zuko took it completely the wrong way. <laughs> but 
rightfully so. I mean, he thinks a lot about his face. Um, he's she's like, oh no, not the scar. Um, it's like the scar. I always thought of it as a mark of a banished prince, but now I see that I can form my own destiny. Um, which I get where you're about to be annoyed at. Um, <laughs> he's there. Uh, he then, gets it, Chris. He's he's <laughs> he he gets it. Ah, whatever. Um, it's fine. The uh, <laughs> it's so funny though. Um, and then she's like, "Oh, I've been saving this. I can heal you. I have healing water." She's like, "It's a scar." She's like, "Well, I have this special healing water that I've been saving for a special occasion. Apparently, on that special occasion isn't Jet dying, but even even Katara didn't like Jet. I win." <laughs> <laughs> Choose between saving a person. Like... Like he is a human that helped him or whatever. And now she's about to use it on Zuko, who they still they do a nice job of like uh when they're interacting, there's still like tons and tons of tension and it's felt and it's obvious. Yeah. It's like a mutual respect that they only share because they're in prison due to the same person. Uh and they do a good job of displaying that. Like they're not buddies and there she just like yeah. a, a shared vengeance at the moment at best and this is the moment and her touching his cheek his burnt scar is the moment every guitar fan can yeah that's can what sleep peacefully can sleep peacefully at night you. with think about um, um and then boom and comes in <laughs> <laughs> little little home record for all those zutara shippers yeah <laughs> oh man uh, I can't oh, wait, when it comes I to can't Jet, wait to I talk I do, to Jamie again do, after this episode goes out. When it comes to the Jet thing, I do think she could see that Jet was too far along, gone, that the spirit water wouldn't have done anything. No. But, uh, Which is so funny then... that she offered to use it at all, though, you know? But it yeah. uh, that spirit water thing becomes such a nice touch uh, later in the episode, of course, so really really cool mm -hmm. full circle here uh yeah uh tough in the background uh tough breaks out of prison she shows a metal bending um which that's just really cool and then she doesn't just metal bend a little bit either like she's already mastered yeah. it. she blows the door off its hinges <laughs> like yeah, she you, does figure, you just sort of picture her learning like learning something slowly like no first she killed those guys in that tin can that she that they had her locked in <laughs> And now she just like blasts the door off, and it even scares me just for a second. Like I know it's coming, and it's still just, oh, she really just no subtlety whatsoever. So good job, tough way to pick it up quick. Yeah. Uh, and then they go back and and um, rescue Bosco and the Earth King. I love how she first takes out Tylee, which looks uncomfortable the way she takes her out. Um, she just earth bends while Tylee is like doing, trying to teach the bear how to do a head. Had to walk on his hands, which <laughs> sounds like a weird statement. Um, Tylee gets earth bended, but like backwards, which that looks uncomfortable, but she could probably handle it. Um, and then, and then May, May is just like, just take the bear. Take the and she bear. so doesn't, yeah. it's a really good line, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there is, uh, you know, Zuko Iroh tells Zuko, like, it's time to, to choose good, Zuko. Um, and then right at that moment, Azula captures uh, Uncle, and she talks to she. This is her final play 
at Natsuka, but she's so manipulative. She played this so well. Like, she could have easily taken out um, Zuko, like, so easily. But instead, she's like, you know what? I can maybe use him in the future. Um, you know, I gotta I got have an ace in the hole here. Because um, she would have lost if she just went up against Aang and Katara. I, um, I guess. I, I still... I, I do feel like that her... It was almost too much force. Like, I know she's been clever and strategic or whatever, but it was almost like too much foresight or too convenient for her to just let him live like in my head i feel like azula in reality would have just taken him out at that point it just incapacitated him and then i'm also upset at his decision as well so there's like accumulation of things here that make me mad but mad in a good way mad and like i'm engaged in what's happening yeah um so then they're off uh fighting it's azula versus Aang, versus Katara, and they're kind of in this, uh, what they call a Mexican standoff. Not really, though, because Mexican-style standoff, I think, would be like one it's one versus one versus one, when here it's like two versus one. Um, and Zuko firebends, and you still don't know who he firebend at. And then uh, I love how Aang can see that Zuko's turning before Zuko firebends at him. Because um, he, he sort of turns a certain way that makes him, you know, you can see that he anticipated that. His eyes um, widen a little bit, I think. Like it's Yes, noted. yeah, something like that. Um, which, so as a person who watched the show when it premiered, if you think you're mad, <laughs> this I, I don't know what to say pissed me off, but I was visibly distraught for off. a while. And then, like, I think for three straight weeks, I was just mad at Zuko, a fictional character. Like, I was really mad. I was like, you had it right there. Everything you did was building up to you choosing good at that moment. What the heck was the metamorphosis for? Um, like, you've been building to this. Um, and that, that's so, yeah, so I was just three weeks of being mad. Is this a good time to talk about it? Because like, I, I would like to. This is the time. Zuko betrays Iroh. This is the time, yeah. The roller coaster is, is so extreme that in my head, uh, you know, there's there's probably people out not probably, there's definitely people out there that, that like that and defend that. Uh, but it feels very unnatural to like like he's had progression and then some bumps in the road or whatever. But now we've the metamorphosis and immediately following feels like this wild progression of him at his lowest lows and then it's highest highs, and it's so extreme and insane that it, if I think it starts to feel less, uh, like less relatable or less real, like less like hiccups that a normal person or a normal character would have in their story arc. So you know, if you like that kind of thing, then you defend it as that's what makes his especially unique or especially powerful. Uh, I I tend to veer still more towards like it almost seems like a plot convenience, not a plot hole, but a convenience of like. No, we really need Zuko to be bad just for, like, at least one or two more episodes. Uh, we need him to be, like, strictly bad. Uh, how, do, how do we make this happen? I, so, I, it's like, like, he said, or like I complained earlier, he had it figured out. He, he understood the message, and he said it in a way that made us all feel the belief that he got it, that he understood destiny. And then he changes his mind for some crap Azula said, this person that he's never liked or trusted ever. 
and now you decide to take her over Iroh? Come on. Mm-hmm. Alright, I'm done. Uh, it's funny, because uh, Ernie Haas wrote something on Twitter one time uh, about Avatar fans, and then I wrote underneath, like, oh yeah, I remember being mad for three weeks after what Zuko did at, cro- at the Crossroads of Destiny, and he wrote underneath that, <laughs> yeah, we remember all the backlash we had for that. <laughs> um, and they bring it up all the time, like, uh, in a commentary for Legend of Korra, like, when Korra does something that fans don't like, like the writers, uh, or oh, Michael and Mike and Brian were like, "Yeah, you know, we want characters to to feel in a sense that they can." You know, you have setbacks. You know, people have setbacks all the time. Um, you know, if you're uh, recovering from something like alcohol, I don't know if they say alcohol because they're doing the commentary for a kids show, but <laughs> like you may have setbacks and stuff. Like you get you get that little bit of a tease, and Azula gives him that little bit of a tease that he can get exactly what he wants. Um, and also, I, after watching it, um, the whole series through, I was completely fine with it. Because I do think Zuko had to see, he had to live that life of what he could have. And that, like, oh, crap, this was, I have my father's love. And this is not what I needed or wanted at all. Um, like, my father is, a, you know, a terrible, a terrible person. Like, I can't, I can't be that person. Um, so, yeah, so while I was, like, really mad at it for like three weeks also because at this point in time like we mentioned before i didn't have a real sense of season finales <laughs> and so they leave you on this they leave you on this cliffhanger and then i'm thinking like oh next week i can see what happens to zuko oh you no okay to to go. <laughs> yeah and then after like four weeks i finally get like oh this is what it's it's funny because that that's that was like my freshman year of college because also there was a smallville season finale and i think one of the commercials for Smallville said season finale tonight. And then it all clicked for me. Like, oh, season, there are seasons to TV shows. And they all have like a finale. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I I can get on board with the idea that, uh, like, I really like how you just described it. You know, he, he had to see that life. And I think we as fans, it's very gratifying for us to see him feel that life and then have it not be what he expects and then i even like his sort of next steps of actions that he takes Uh, again those feel like sort of relatable setbacks but here we just we go through this weird metamorphosis and the part where it really feels like this the creators try to sell us that it's it's in the past and and even like he gets thrown it almost just feels like all that should have come like after this or something i don't know just something well i do too extreme I, I I completely get where you're coming from here and, and agree with you that I think they did set it up purposely story-wise to, you know, they like to do misdirections a lot, apparently, which I, I've realized a lot in this, this season. They do a lot of misdirections. That's fair, um, yeah. Like they set it up. They, they pushed Zuko so far to a point where, like, okay, he's good. He had the metamorphosis. And then when the metamorphosis, like the term metamorph- metamorphosis feels like something concrete. Like, after you go through it, you are that person forever it's right like a, so powerful like a... that it's been banned from Yu-Gi-Oh play it's it's fin- it's <laughs> it it literally is yeah, a physical like, change or like a yeah like an irreversible yeah. thing and they keep like he he went through a physical thing like imagine a caterpillar getting into a cocoon turns to a butterfly 
the butterfly can't turn back into a caterpillar. Like you're, you're that's what you are. And they try um, so, so hard Zuko, to, to beat that into us for two full episodes of Chipper Zuko. Yeah, yeah which was way too chipper. It was way, way too, too chipper chip. for me. And that makes it again. It that that's probably the part that's like yeah. the giveaway that something bad's still gonna happen. But it also just is like a more extreme flip flop. Like we should know, like no Zuko's ever gonna end that chipper. Like that's not how he's gonna come out. Something bad's still gonna happen. But it, it, it's such an extreme break. It's hard yeah. to palate, especially uh, kids or like younger me or even me today. Obviously, I watch TV like a ten year old, so it's probably appropriate. But uh, it's a lot to take. Jamie, tell us what you think. On, on Google, we'd, we'd love to hear. We'd... Um, so then, uh, dang it, I have some answer there. But yeah, I agree. I think probably if, I was, it, if I was to, no, you're fine. If I was to change it, I would probably just take out things. I like the metamorphosis, right? Because I like the the idea of him going, having all those visions and stuff. I wouldn't call it a metamorphosis, but more of a journey. I guess. Right. Let's. Uh, think journey feels. Let's journey doesn't feel better. as finite. Yeah. <laughs> or just. Uh, like we. Just internal turmoil or whatever you know. I... Yeah. Um. Um. But definitely wouldn't have the Chipper Zuko there because Chipper Zuko and the Zuko that talks to, uh, Katara in the in the, in the crystal catacombs, or not catacomb anyway in the crystal caves. It's like oh I see now that I can. See have my own destiny and then that's completely flipped on his head uh when he gives in to azula's temptation i've got it i've got it it's brilliant it's perfect it's really not perfect but it feels perfect what he needs is like it, it i still wouldn't call it a metamorphosis but some kind of extended uh extended period of inner turmoil or whatever where like iroh notices that he's changing uh he is metamorphosing whatever you want to call it uh, but sort of a parallel there of he's so close to turning into this good person, and then in this episode, Iroh would be like, "If you if you do this now, you'll you're you won't be able to recover, or you won't be able to master being a good person, or something like better wording." But to parallel the Aang mastering his chakras thing, the, or yeah. the Empire Strikes Back thing, yeah. But he would have just had to been like no. like ill, like apathetic Zuko for a couple episodes, like gray area Zuko, not super chipper, weird Zuko. No, I don't like that. Let's toss that at the creators. That that insane, probably terrible idea that I just crafted <laughs> to make just to make myself feel better about it. But it doesn't defeat the end game. And again, thank you for describing it the way you did, because I hadn't really thought about that. Is that we need to see Zuko on that side to really kind of complete his arc in a satisfying way. And it is. It, yeah. it does help extremely in the early going next season. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they get into a fight, which is a really good fight. Excellent. Um, yeah. And I love how, like, uh, what was it? Katara versus Zuko. Uh, Katara versus, it's first Katara versus Azula. And Katara gets the upper hand on her. Like, She's come a long way. Katara, yeah, yeah. Like she is winning this fight, and it's it's really cool. Like she's just using those really long uh, thing. She's about to like freaking squash, like smash her over until Zuko like comes in. You feel like, the fire bends water advantage. just in time. Uh, 
you like find, yeah. you feel like that inherent advantage of water over fire in a sense like not that azula's helpless yeah. but you just yeah you feel like katara notably has an uh, an upper hand in an, a yeah, way that would not cause... be overcome naturally yeah i think zuko's just uh his erratic firebending is is like that style because he at this point he is it's weird i've never seen a firebend like this like the way he's firebending like <laughs> it's it's very, very firebending like and azula's far more controlled i think the guitar could take advantage of that a little easier you ever want to um, do something that you know is probably but, not a great idea so you convince yourself to do it real fast before you think about how bad of an idea it is that's what zuko's firebending is right now like, oh, get yeah. it out before my yeah, conscience yeah. <laughs> uh, kicks in and realizes it's stupid. That's, mm. what, that's why he's acting all crazy. Yeah, and then uh, Hank's not really doing a great job in this fight, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's getting beat by Zuko. He's getting kind of beat by uh, Zula. Um, also, he's not... like He does his one move, which... Uh, in a commentary, they did a really good job on this commentary, I think. He's, like, on top of this, like, I don't know what you call it, in a cave. Anyway, he earthbends it around, and then flips it, and then takes it down, and, like, smashes on the ground onto Zuko. Um, but you can tell that he's a, he got he took more out of himself in that when he hit the ground than Zuko hit, because Zuko got up fairly quickly relative to how Aang got up. And so like Aang just Aang just didn't feel like a hundred percent. Chalk it up. Oh, to I feel like not, I've seen uh, him. Chalk, chalk it up. Chalk it up to maybe not finishing his chakra exercise, like being in a weird place yeah. or state emotionally. Maybe I'm just making yeah. up excuses for him. Yeah, and then um, and then uh, eventually the Dai Li agents show up he did he did something like he was about to take over the fight because he, he got into the earth he did the whole like rolling the whole earth towards him it was a very uh heroic uh moment there you know felt like all right ang's about to win this fight and then daily agents come out and nowhere just take him right off and then they surround katara and i love how katara's like oh crap i gotta grab this water real quick and she i love the way she's just water bending like she's ready to take out anybody that comes near her um, also, she's like really ragged. Her hair loopies come out and stuff. Um, it just really raised the stakes of this moment. Um, and then everything looks dire. Like you got Azula, you got Zuko, all ready to attack. And you got Aang just in the middle there. And then Aang finally, um, you know, he says, sorry, Katara. He makes a nice little area so he can meditate in. Clears his last chakra. And I love that moment of seeing the big, Aang's physical avatar state and him reaching out there. And then he goes into the avatar state, which is interesting because he looks like he's flying in this moment, <laughs> which I think he is flying. I have a whole video about that. <laughs> um, a whole video about can the avatar fly or not. I think it has to do with the cosmic energy that the avatar state gives to a bender. Not a bender gives to the avatar. Um, and how like also, it could be like Rava, because Rava can fly, right? Rava is fused with law and spirit, and we've seen when spirits are fused with um, a human, you know, spirit, they can start, the human can start to take characteristics 
of that spirit if Robert can fly then maybe Avatar can fly but which and I have a whole another theory that Korra by the end of the series can become like the most powerful Avatar there ever is because Rava is the most powerful she's ever been because Vachi has been completely destroyed um, and so Rava will be the most because their power is like yin and yang it's like a seesaw um, it's only like so much but when one is down the other is high Vatu being way down um, Rava's being way high so then Korra could tap into all of that energy that and, and chi that Rava has and could probably go even bigger than uh, Vatu went when he turned and transformed into Unavatu but uh got off on that tangent somehow i don't know but it's funny that we we've referenced smallville in this and now we're talking about theories about that various characters being able to fly that may not be funny maybe it's just really late but it's funny to me uh he also never flew in that show until the final until the 10 end. seconds of the show yeah that's yeah. why it's funny right oh, oh okay that's, why, that's okay. why i thought it was funny okay okay good yeah oh. yeah yeah <laughs> I don't yeah, know if it's yeah. since I know it was the end, right? Because that was a big, uh, yeah. a big hullabaloo with the fans as yep. like waiting. Oh, years he's coming to back. See him fly so, I'm not, so I'm pretty sure you don't watch the CW shows, but um, most of them are really good. Um, but so they have these big crossover events every year, and this year is going to be like the biggest crossover event there is. Like I'm more excited for this than anything I have been superhero wise since The Dark Knight Rises. Um, like Tom Welling, so they're having this thing called Crisis on Infinite Earths. I think I've talked to you about like Crisis before, how there's multiple Earths and stuff. It sounds extremely familiar. And, and like there's different, there's the same superhero but slightly different on all these different Earths. And like Crisis was like smashing them all together. <laughs> um, although in this, and I also talked about this other sh- other movie called Crisis on Two Earths. That's different, but. Some there's different people, but the same person on different Earths. Um, but anyway, they're bringing back like all these different Superman. Um, Brandon Ruth, uh, Ralph is coming back as Superman, uh, who played him in Superman Returns. Um, Tom Welling is coming back as Superman, and there's already Superman in the CD in the CW universe. So I'm looking forward to that crossover. It should be really amazing. Quality wise, I'm not sure how amazing it's going to be, uh, I mean, but just really fanboy just, wise. Like... Surely, just high-end TV show caliber, like all their stuff tends to be, right? You, I mean, you mentioned I don't watch CW shows. I would, I would preface like some stuff not, is not because I don't really, like them. I just yeah. don't watch a ton of TV. But uh, Arrow like seasons good quality, right? Pretty much Arrow seasons uh, three through or four through Arrow has like four seasons that are terrible out of the like eight. <laughs> Uh, you know, other than that, other than that, everything else is pretty good or great, really. Like the um, like the production value, especially, is always good, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, be excited. Yeah, it's not it'll cheap. Be, it'll be exciting. <laughs> uh, okay, so a flying in the sky. Um, well, it's not really a sky. He's floating in the air. Um, and Azula shoots him down with lightning. And they do say that even though Aang went to the Avatar state willingly, he didn't master the Avatar state. Because when you master the Avatar state and you go into it, you just take whatever energy you need, 
right? And your eyes glow and then your eyes stop glowing and then you use that energy. Um, but here, Aang wasn't, he didn't have master, mastery over the Avatar state, so he was stuck in the Avatar state when he was got out. Usually, go in Avatar state and then it kind of leaves you immediately. But because he was stuck in that, he opened himself up uh, to being killed in the Avatar state. Is it so? Uh, just clarify for me, if you will, or if you're able. Is it fair to say that he does literally die, but then he is saved by Katara's water? I am of the belief that he does not die. This is this is contention in fans. Okay. So right, it is got not one set or addressed in commentary I... at this point. Okay, so I think it is canon that he does not die, um, and I get that canon from this book here that I'm going to reference again. Uh, actually, I don't know why I got it. I didn't need to get it. I, I know what lot. I'm going to say. You've read a lot of things today. Um, <laughs> Pulling out the references. Um, okay. Actually, that's funny. I turned to the exact right page I needed. Um, it, it, you've referenced so. it before. That page is like loose. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so this is Avatar Legacy. Um, it is a book by Aang written to Tenzin about his adventures. And like, there's a page with all the members of Team Avatar, and Aang writes about them to Tenzin. And he asks him about Katara, which is Aang's wife. So in it... Um, so in it, he talks about Katara. He says, when <clears throat> in it, he says, when I was badly injured by lightning in a battle, it was Katara who healed me and saved my life. So I take that as he was injured and he was about to die. I accept your perspective, but I do not accept that that makes it fact as he wouldn't have necessarily known that he was dead or anything of that sort. But the other part that supports this is that if he died in the Avatar state, as we know, the Avatar spirit Rava would have been killed and that would have restarted the life cycles. Is that instantaneous and or is Rava perhaps <clears throat> uh, some amount of omniscient and able to see that he was going to be resurrected? Um, no, Rava really does nothing, honestly, besides give a, a power boost. <laughs> a freeloader. <laughs> and, I mean, really, oh, Rava's main thing that she accomplishes is that she keeps the, the uh, link to all the past lives, all right? Um, these past lives were going to happen anyway. Juan would be reincarnated anyway, but she links them all together, and she links their like memories all together. Um, but she doesn't like do anything beyond that. And also, they tap into her her chi and her energy and her cosmic energy and everything like that. Um, so yeah, so Rava isn't that proactive in anything really. She she's like a good picture book at best, just a bunch of memories. Now because I'm. Because I'm very fair, um, people argue that well, it was spirit water, and because of that, um, Aang died, and the Avatar rock spirit Rava died, but because of spirit water, um, uh, they saved Rava. But to me, that doesn't explain how they saved Rava's past lives, the memory of those past lives. 
Um, so to uh, me, Aang. I mean, never... if it's the same Rava that you've just saved, I, if Aang can preserve his memories after being resurrected, I suppose Rava could too. I mean, well, that's like that's like brain memories, <laughs> right? That's like a. I, don't know. I suppose it depends to me, on there's... if you view memories, even in Rava's case, as like a part of your physical being or as part of some different essence. I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, it's, it's you know, it's pretty much inconsequential in the end, but it's it's fun to consider. It is, but to me, if if he was actually killed, like Roku says, if you're killed in the Avatar state, your past lives will cease to exist, and he would have been, uh, you know, completely. Kill. He would have no past lives, even if Rava came back. It would have just been like how Korra is, because in that, in that, Rava was killed, um, and and Korra now refused with her, and but there's no past lives. Me, Chris, just doubting the power of the spirit water that is kind of ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a very fair point, and. Uh, I don't. I don't have much uh, of a it's, perspective. It's, it's, but I, I tend to imply it's whatever, that dead, but I have never really thought too hard about it. Uh, well, I, to me, there's more evidence backing up that he didn't die than did. That's fair. Like I, I gotta assume. To me, you gotta make like a lot of assumptions to to say that he lived. I mean, to say that he died. And when it comes to this, I don't have to make any assumptions. I can just base it off of the lore that Roku says and the book that ang says he was injured um but the better the better half of the evidence is on yeah. the side of of the not dying yeah that's fair that's fair but yeah feel free to believe whatever you want to believe <laughs> that sounded really deep we're just talking about in the show outside of the show you're not allowed to believe whatever you want calm down no we're just kidding <laughs> it's a metaphor believe whatever you want to believe wherever you want <laughs> Um, uh, so Aang falls to the ground and it's super dramatic and, and sketch and horrifying. Yes. And uh, oh, and then oh, and I love how uh, Katara catches him. Like Katara's like way off, right? And she quickly she does this like turn thing, as if she's just like getting torquing her body. Not torquing. That sounds like Katara torquing. I mean torquing. I do twerking, mean torquing. 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 Katara was not twerking to, she to would never. No, God. Um, to like build up that water. And she water been fast enough to catch Aang uh, right as he was going to land on the ground. Um, so cool. It's a really, I think it's so cool to see, um, you know, such female empowerment here. Like she is saving the day here, you know, with her. You don't see that often. You don't see the female character with her sheer force of will saving the male character i think you don't see that often like it's we've seen her do cool things before but like here it's one of those like she's the best player on the court right now yeah <laughs> and then iroh jumps in and i love how iroh just like taking you know hitting everybody getting hit with things but he's like so built <laughs> that it, he's just getting hit but he's still firebending and then how he knows when he needs to stop fighting and he just like calmly stops and they earthbend him and he can't even look at Zuko. Ah, I can't even look at Zuko, that little monster. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And then and then Azula sitting on the throne of Bossing Say with Zuko to her 
left and I guess um it's just like what if what if father doesn't restore my honor and I like how Azula like keeps kind of digging or she keeps reassuring him like today you restored your own honor kind of clever like, cleverly hooking right it's uh yeah very very on point I guess yeah uh, and then they, they hop on Appa and Katara heals Aang. Um, but it's it's not like a it's not like a he heals and yay, Aang is fine. It's like, a, uh, okay, you saved me. And, and in intense <clears throat> moments, like, it's pretty deliberate or delayed, I guess, between the healing and the actual here in a breath or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he pretty much passes right back out. It's really tense, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so Aang's not dead, but this was this was a great cliffhanger of a season. I think uh, really put everything into a dire situation. I'm really glad that we didn't have to think that he was dead in between seasons. Uh, you know, that would have been maybe too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still like would have yeah. worked, but just too dramatic for my taste. Uh, this is much more my speed for what this show. I don't know what I want out of this show or what I would have wanted out of this show. Just still have hope. Hmm. And, and that's it that's the crossroads of destiny that's book two uh, arguably by some the best book <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss them that'll be a fun discussion at yeah. the end too picking best uh, I, I, characters I love, we'll, books. I love, we'll be able to definitively say which is the best book and we can add up just average scores. average scores oh i like yeah. that uh, it'll oh, be I... hampered every every book will be hampered by like one or two of sean's outrageously low scores well then, Throwing just shade. just so I can win an argument that I don't care which side it comes out on, I'll just lowball <laughs> one of them. Chris's scores on All the right, page so, are zero, so, zero, and zero. I was a bit more dramatic. So this comment part four, two out of ten. <laughs> and you're like, I was sad it was over, so I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best I can come up with. Um, hey, that'll be it. Oh man, in between in between series, it's gonna be a lot of fun stuff to do. But in the meantime, we we'll have be. to do things like watch the beach. <laughs> beach. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> let's let's get on to some ratings uh, onto this episode. Oh yeah, kind of all about ratings. I'm, um, <laughs> they're they're good. They're good ratings. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Audio visual nine and a half. Uh, great fight. Um. With them, really great. I think that really does most of the great audiovisual there. Story a nine, I think it, and and this is really great story and and uh, the grand scheme of things, uh, just really great, just storytelling of of this big huge tale that you know is very Star Wars esque as we said before, um, and just like Star Wars, like Empire Strikes Back, it's that middle one there, and it ends on the dour note, right? It ends. Not in a happy way. Um, Han is frozen. Luke just found out his dad is Darth Vader. Um, it, it's not a happy ending like the first one was, um, like A New Hope was. And here it's very, it's much the same. Like season one ended with like, yeah, beat the Fire Nation. We saved the Water Tribe. Uh, but in season two, it's like, oh crap, we lost. And we lost Bossing Say, the biggest city in the world. <laughs> Didn't we also say when they found 
when they were looking for Toph and they ended up in the swamp. Did we also make some Yoda comparisons there? I think so, yeah. yeah. That I, one, I do think that they did say that that one was more coincidental than anything. Okay. <laughs> but in general, I do it's think a great these comparison are... of the first two seasons to the first two Star Wars movies. Uh, I will not call Star Wars A New Hope. That's that's wrong and silly. But to Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Great comparison. Uh, yeah, so then uh, memorable, it's a eight and a half, which I'm like, oh, like, I guess I only really need to watch the last five minutes of this episode. Um, it's really good. It's just, I don't know, it's not one of my favorite, most memorable episodes, but still great. Eight and a half. So 9.2. I pretty much agree entirely. Audiovisual 9. Uh, it's it, it's a little bit slow in the buildup of audiovisual. Again, we're talking that last five minutes or so. Uh, story, I absolutely love all the different pieces that this one connects and what it sets up. It's great. And as we mentioned in the stream of the past several episodes that have been very strongly tied together, uh, this, I don't know, this is a really, really great finale for that string of episodes. Memorable, I do agree with what you said in the scheme uh, of like other finales. It maybe isn't, I don't know, the very end is so big and so impactful of seeing Aang like that, but the, the mm -hmm. whole episode overall may not be the most memorable episode in the world, but whatever, it's still a nine, eight and a half, but it's, it's a really memorable episode. That gives it a nine point two, which for the second uh, for the second time in as many weeks, yeah. If you're good at math, it, what I like is that our ratings were different step by step, but it still averaged out nice. That's kind of cool. Nine point two. That's that's a great episode right there. Like that's such a threatening movie. image of Azula. Like, I like the king looks kind of clueless I, though. Like what what she got on her finger there, man? Where'd she come from? Who this? I thought she was an Earthbender, but no. <laughs> Uh, are you the avatar you... oh no he's already met the avatar never mind <laughs> oh that is too bad and the avatar that he yeah. wouldn't have met if long fang wasn't an idiot didn't even have to say that <sighs> pretty much he did long fang you deserve it great season tremendous i would say top to bottom uh well your star wars description actually wrapped it up really nice that was very well done I'll say this this season raises the stakes so, so much more than the first season does. Uh, you really mm -hmm. get a big picture view in this season that you don't get from the first. So it doesn't have to be better or worse. Just this one raises the stakes to everything. And I like that a lot. And this episode's a great way to cap it off. I'm also excited for our in-between season banter. But I'll have you know that I've also already watched about half of season three again for the watch through. And uh, while I know we'll have some discussions on quality differences, it knowing like knowing now what I'm working up to, it's really hard to stop watching season three. Like it's to a point where oh, you yeah. just want you just want to binge, not to get get it over with, but you just want that whole gratification at one time. Oh, since we started this podcast, I've watched this series like at least twice. <laughs> um, I pretty much keep it close to in tune with what we're doing so I can keep some sort of freshness right. to it. Usually, you know, three, oh, four episodes at a time. And then, you know, we'll do two or three podcasts in that vicinity. But this time I went like way ahead. I think I'm halfway through the third season just because I wanted to see. And I'm sure the next time I put a disc in, I'll watch till the end. Probably tomorrow, actually. Tomorrow will be a good day for that. Getting way ahead of myself. 
Chris, any final thoughts on season two? Any other insightful Star Wars analogies? We've done comedy, um, basketball, Star Wars. We've really covered the gambit today. Gambit? Oh, and I mentioned Batman, too. And Batman. That's well, that's, that's kind so of that... Check out his shirt, okay. by the way. That's a good shirt, if I may say so. Oh, myself. yeah. That's a... Uh, uh, it's the Batman animated series, but with Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> and Aang yeah. looks inappropriately threatening for Aang, but I still dig it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, any final thoughts on season two? Uh, it's a great season. Really great season. The more I think about it, it's, it might possibly the best season. <laughs> Up for debate. Up for debate. How would you, yes. though? I mean, how would you even pick a season out of the three? I think I do feel bad for the first because, like, nobody's going to pick the first season. I think the first season is honestly the worst season of all of Avatar, even the second season of Korra. I don't remember Korra well enough to have an opinion, but that's simultaneously funny and maybe ironic just in the sense that it kicked off such a big such a big franchise to us but uh ah oh, that there that'll be another good video topic in between Korra and the live action series we'll do all the seasons it'll be great it'll be great be a big discussion party but it is funny that like i don't think anybody would really pick the first season ever but it, like I mean, it kicked off this franchise that we consider our favorite, and it's the first. It was the original. It's what hooked us. <laughs> Whatever. Not yeah. that. Not that good. Relatively. Relatively. That's the keyword. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks for thanks for joining us, everybody, for book two, Earth Crossroads of Destiny, the finale. Keep your eyes open in coming weeks. We'll probably take a few weeks off of the episode by episode for some fun things. Uh, hopefully they are interesting I'm pretty excited about them in the meantime Chris thanks for joining me for uh, for some extra recording this evening good luck to those Lakers hopefully that score went in your favor and that they are 5-1 and one since the last time we brought this up I mean I don't really hope or, or care too much I'm kind of an Eastern Conference sympathizer but whatever <laughs> and everybody else have, have a great day we'll talk to you soon uh, next time on Avatar The Last Podcasters